Hey guys, before we get into the episode, you all know I'm a huge fan of fashion and I have been ever since I was a little girl. And my first job, by the way, was actually at Macy's. And my love for fashion began when I started there because I worked in the fragrance department, but of course my eye was always on the clothes and the makeup and everything related to style. But here's the thing, my relationship with Macy's didn't end once my days of asking people walking by if they wanted a sample of the latest scents came to an end. Nearly 20 years later, I still find myself choosing Macy's time and time again for literally everything. It's become a really beautiful full circle moment that they've been such amazing supporters of our show for so long. And when it comes to shopping, they have everything you need, whether I need a last minute outfit or Kevin needs a last minute outfit for our friend's wedding. We always head to Macy's. They've got us covered. So if you're in need of some retail therapy, perhaps, or looking to spruce up your home or your lifestyle, check out Macy's friends. I've curated a list of some of my favorite items that have helped me upgrade so many parts of my life, really my fashion the most, but of course home and baby and so much more. So check the link in the description and happy shopping Hill Squad. I'm on a journey to get better in all areas of life, from wellness and mental health to career and relationships and so much more. I know getting better isn't easy, but it's a whole lot easier when you can do it together. Welcome to Better Together with me, Maria Menunos. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to Better Together. When you know better, you get better. That's what we try to do here every single day. Our quote of the day comes from our guest today. You can't recondition... What you don't recognize. That is from Patrice Washington, America's money maven. (laughs) We're going to be talking about money, redefining what wealth is. I like that. I talk about redefining success. I haven't heard redefining wealth before. Right? I really like it. You know what I love, Hill Squad? Hello, everyone. Uh, I love when I look at my research and Kelsey's like, beginning is like, oh my God, you're going to love Patrice. She's amazing. (laughs) She's phenomenal. I'm so excited. I like live for the fact that you get so excited for everybody. It's like my favorite thing ever, I think. Um, It's so cool. And yeah, I mean, we only bring amazing people on. So, well, I feel like, like I'm the audience, you know? So whenever I get so, that's how I felt with um when we had mark on i got off my pre with him and i was like kevin oh my god because i'm just i get excited for everyone listening yeah like so yeah she's so if you don't know heel squad kelsey does pre-interviews when she says a pre that's what that Mm -hmm. means Mm -hmm. it's a pre-interview she sits you know she spends some time with the guests to make sure she can come up with what the best things are to talk about and really get to know them better and let them know about you know what we want to do and so, um, so yeah, so she has the first taste of everything and then her excitement spills over to me and I'm yeah. like, Ooh, oh. yeah. Cause, cause normally I'm like, uh, you know, I, I, I'm vetting everybody or I'm sending her like, I recently sent her my new favorite show. I already forgot the name. My pack or your... yeah, yeah, yeah. About the dogs. No, no, that's not the name of it. Don't yeah. Yeah. Me. What's the name of the show? Yeah. Yeah. I'm saying yeah. Yeah. Because my pack life. There you go. It's called My Pack Life. It's on Discovery Network or Discovery Plus. Guys, I'm obsessed. I started like tearing watching this show yesterday. So it's this like hot guy. (laughs) I don't know, you know, what he's into, girls or guys yet. Like that's just, you know, I'm I'm curious. And I think we're going to 
you know, find out when we interview him. Because <laughs> I think, you know, he is an eligible bachelor for sure. Either way. Oh my God. <laughs> he had me at when I was growing up, all I wanted to do was be with animals. I was like, me too. <laughs> You're like, wait, are we dating? I was sitting next to Kevin on the recliner. I'm like, I love him. <laughs> And then Kevin goes, well, if you want a sanctuary, we can build one in Connecticut. And I go, really? And he's like, yeah. And he goes, we'll just hire someone to like work the farm and make sure all the animals are fed. I'm like, okay, that would be really great because that was my dream too. <laughs> now I don't have to divorce you and go marry him. Perfect. Solutions. <laughs> Solution-based See, family. Kevin's smart. He comes up with the solutions right mm-hmm. away. No, he is um, such a... He had like the six figure job mm. in corporate America, quit his job to build this animal sanctuary. He's got all these animals, dogs, pigs, llamas, alpacas, and he's like the happiest guy in the world. And what have I said? Oh gosh. Should I say this? Should I ask you? What have I you always are already said? shaming me before you're even Colleen. giving me the chance to answer. Because well, I really want you to focus and think. So if I say that, then you will. What do I always say? That you would be just happy living with animals. Thank you. Didn't it work? Did the shaming, the slight shaming work? I said that the other day on the show. Pooja, you know we have to slight shame her to focus. That is absolutely not true. <laughs> Otherwise she'll go, yeah, 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 yeah. Not true. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah would not be a good answer for... Not for that one. Not for that one. No. You would have been like, uh... No, only that one I did say the other day on the show. Remember? We had a nice chat show about it, so... I don't that remember. That one I knew. See, I don't remember. <laughs> um, so, anyhow, I'm very excited, and I told Kelsey, I said, we need him on the show, because he is... Um, He's so funny too. You guys are going to love it. I mean, listen. Is it it's only on Discovery? It's on Discovery Plus. Mm. Um Pooj, do you love animals? Yeah, I do. That I was that was an interesting answer. <laughs> no, like, <laughs> I do, but I didn't like grow up with them, I guess. So uh, like like it's not it's not like they were always around. But okay. like we had farms growing up around me, so like we had like, you know, the cows and the mm-hmm. sheep and the alpacas and the llamas. So we'd go there like on the weekends. And Wait, I always where did you that. grow up again? In Jersey. Jersey. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, okay. I didn't grow up with animals really technically either, but I loved animals and begged. We did, my dad ca- caught a bird on our fence once, a little parakeet, a little blue one, and we called him Pee-Pee. And I didn't realize what that meant when I was in elementary school Hilarious. and I would tell everybody my bird's name was Pee Pee. <laughs> you can Aww. tell there were layers of reasons why I had no friends. Like I would eat leaves from the trees. My parents made grape leaves. You, oh. Uh, yeah. I didn't have that. the bologna sandwich. Like, so, oh you know, I didn't speak English. There were a lot of reasons why I had no friends growing Hilarious. up. Um, that was definitely one of them. Pee Pee. Because he used to go Pee Pee. And so we called him Pee Pee. That's cute. Anyway, Pee Pee was my best friend and my confidant. I would cry and complain to him. He never told any of my secrets. But um, (laughs) Pee Pee started to speak fluent Greek because his little cage would be in the kitchen and he would hear us. So he would repeat this little like $14 parakeet. You know those parakeets you see in the pet store? Yes. Yeah, him. Oh my God. Or them. Yeah, he used to speak and he was with us, I think, till I was like 12. And then when he died, it was like devastating because he would sit on our shoulders, oh. on our head. He was everywhere we were. He was Pee-pee. the best. 
And that makes me sad. <laughs> my mom put him in like a little basket. She made this like little grave for him, like a, a little blanket with flowers around him, like a little a little um casket, basically, oh, not a grave. God. Yeah, PP was everything. And then my dad's friend um had rabbits. And so he's like, take take two rabbits for your kids. And I don't know why. My dad actually did it. He brought two rabbits home. And it was a male and a female. And on Easter morning, all of a sudden, we opened the gate. It was like under the porch. So, you know, you have your little porch. Underneath the porch is where we locked the rabbits. And out of this little area, boop, five little baby bunnies pop up on Easter morning. Oh, my. That's kind of crazy. Yeah. So from that moment on, we had bunnies. But (laughs) I wanted a dog. So I used to borrow all of my neighbor's dogs. I would beg them to let me walk them. I wasn't allowed to walk anywhere. but (laughs) Just in laps. (laughs) Do circles in front of the house. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. um, It was. So my dream was animals. That's all I ever wanted. It's still what I want. When I I do my grateful list with Winnie and Max every morning, I'm like, you guys are my dream come true. So we were lucky. We grew up with dogs. We had a golden named OJ and a black lab named RC. OJ. OJ Orange Juice, RC, RC Cola. Mm-hmm. Okay, not after OJ Simpson. No, but ever. <laughs> no, OJ was the golden, but there is a funny story where someone did think that they named him after OJ Simpson. And it was a whole thing. Okay. But we had them. But my, my babies were my fish, my two goldfish, Kurt and Goldie, named after Goldie Hawn and Kurt Russell. Mm-hmm. I got them when Erica was born because I needed a present. So mm-hmm. we grew How up. How long did they live? A long time. What? Yes, a long time. No way. I swear to you. And we they had die fast. Goldfish typically do. And they lasted forever. Damn. They lived, gosh, probably till I was like eight maybe. So they lived a good long life. And then we had to have a whole burial service for them when they died too. It was very sad. Oh. But the dogs were still around and we had the best dogs growing up. So. Wow. Yeah, crazy, I right? got, Kevin and I inadvertently from a movie set got a goldfish. So it was, <laughs> it was a prop in the little film we were making. Oh. We brought him home to our apartment um, in Atwater Village when we first moved to LA. And we had this white dining room table that our friend Randall had given us. And I didn't know anything about goldfish. So I put him on the thing. He had a little bump on him. So I called him Bumpy. And then Bumpy. one day we came home and he had committed suicide. He jumped out of the bowl. He jumped out of the bowl. Damn. Plunged to his death. That'll happen. It was very sad. That is sad. Yeah. Yeah. It was very sad. But um, yeah, <laughs> this this pack show is my new obsession. I I I was like, oh wow, he'd be great for Kelsey. No, I don't think she'd really want to live on a farm forever. Uh, no, that's gonna be a hard no. That would be a hard no. That's gonna be, well, maybe we can do but he's like hot. a half and half. He's he's hot. hot. Maybe he could do His biceps are the size of your whole body, too. He's like a big guy. Kevin goes, oh, my God, look at his body. And I I didn't realize. And then all of a sudden, he's holding this little chihuahua with this massive Hulk Hogan, like, (laughs) arm. And I go, oh, wow. If he's into, like, half city living, half farm living, I'm okay with that. No, I think he's just into, like, his sanctuary Mm. and, like, living with his animals. Yeah, it's not going to work for me. Oh, Pooja's showing me a pic. Yeah, he's cute. He's super cute. Wait till you see him on camera, though, because he's very, like, charming and funny and... Love that. Yeah. 
Hey, Hill Squad and Better Together fam. It's been a tough year, but we hear from so many of you just how much our content is helping you heal and get better, and it makes us feel so good. Our team works so hard to deliver this life-changing content, and a lot of you guys ask, how can I have a bigger role in our Heal Squad community, or how can I do my part to help Better Together continue to uplift even more people? First of all, thank you for that sentiment, and we're so grateful for this community. If you could help us by giving us a five-star rating and a comment on Apple Podcasts. That's amazing. Second, you could join the Better Together with Maria Menounos Instagram page. Third, you could share the show with a friend in need. And finally, for as little as $10 a month, please join our Patreon to get monthly live heal events with world-class healers, ad-free episodes of our show, and even weekly bonus episodes exclusive to Patreon. Getting better isn't easy, but it is a whole lot better when we can do it together. We love and appreciate and are so grateful for all of you. He wasn't living his true nature. We talk about this. Yeah. You know, you got to live your authentic self and your, you know, live your true, your true nature. And when you don't, you, like he said, I was suffocating inside at that wow. job. That's wild. And, uh, and so, you know. That's like the goat lady. You weren't here when we interviewed the goat lady. Mm -mm. So this other woman who was working in like, you know, Wall Street, killing it, quit to go rescue handicapped goats. And um, it's her Instagram is Goats of Anarchy. Oh, my God. And she lives in Jersey. She bought a farm and she rescues handicapped goats and they've got little wheelchairs and she's the happiest person on the planet. That's incredible. Yeah. So maybe these two need to get together. I mean, I think Goats of Anarchy Lady had a husband, though. That's a bummer. I don't want her homework. But (laughs) anyway, I'm already trying to put this guy together with people and I don't even know. (laughs) So funny. Anyhow, um, we're not talking about goats or llamas, but (laughs) if you do want your own sanctuary... It will cost something, so Patrice will help us ah, with the <laughs> finances for that. So she, Patrice C. Washington, is an award-winning author, motivational speaker, personal healing coach, and media personality. Taken from her own money troubles with enormous debt, she shares the tips and habits that helped her get herself out of debt. She was called America's Money Maven on the Steve Harvey Show. Oh, we love Steve Harvey. And she's also been on Dr. Oz, who we also love. Her work has been featured in Forbes, New York Post, Bloomberg, Ebony, and Business Insider. She was named one of the 12 inspiring black voices in personal development by Success Magazine in 2020. And in 2022, one of Success Magazine's 25 definitive voices for personal power and professional growth. I think that's the magazine where Lisa and Tom are on the cover and all of our friends are inside, I believe. She's agreeing with you. Ah, Patrice, welcome. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. And I love Lisa and Tom as well. They're good friends of mine. Oh, that's so funny. I just saw um, that they were on the cover and then I was hearing all these different people that were friends that have had on the show. So now you're our new friend who is also in that. I love it. Yes. Thanks for having me. Of course. So... You, um, I don't know what, I can't remember now what you were initially going to do with your life. I don't know if this was exactly your lane and I can't remember why I don't remember now, but I know that at some point you got into some debt and you got yourself out of it. And that definitely was a catalyst for what you're doing now and helping people with their finances. But refresh my memory on what track you were on before. Was this always the track? 
Well, I definitely did not have a dream of being a financial expert in third grade. Like no one answers the question, what do you want to be when you grow up? What did you want to be? Expert. Um, an a teacher. Okay. No, I remember going through the whole list like teacher. And then you're like, oh, okay. My mom and dad say lawyer. Maybe I'll be a lawyer. Oh, yeah. Then it's like I a marine biologist. <laughs> like I love dolphins. And my mom's like, Maria, you can play with the dolphins anytime. No. <laughs> so, okay. So you wanted to be an so, entrepreneur. Yeah. In third grade, I remember asking my dad, why are you always so available? I didn't grow up in the home with my dad. Um, but he could come to my games or he could come to things at school. And my mom worked about 60 miles away from where we lived. And so she would leave super early in the morning and come home really tired late at night and just could not be as present as I know she wanted to be. Hmm. And I remember thinking, because my dad could come to things, this man must be unemployed. Like, why is he always available? How old were you when you started thinking about this? I was about seven, eight years old. I wow. was like, why are you available? And I asked him one day, like, do you have a job? And my dad said, I'm an entrepreneur. And that was the light bulb moment for me. I didn't know what I would do when I grew up, but whatever that meant, entrepreneur <laughs> to me meant freedom and flexibility. That's what I wanted. And wow. so when I got to the University of Southern California, I was a business major emphasizing in entrepreneurial studies. And I actually started my first business during senior year in college. I was licensed as a real estate agent at 19, but I got my real estate and mortgage broker's license at 21. And what was supposed to be a school project became my actual business during senior year. Wow. I love that you had that curiosity, but also the awareness that there was something different. And you asked a great question. You, Everyone always says, like, ask a better question. You asked such a specific, great question um, and then you were, you understood that it came with flexibility and freedom. That's amazing. I mean, you're like a prodigy. That's crazy. <laughs> seven or eight years old. No, seriously. Yeah. You know, I had a lot of revelations really early in life that have completely shaped who I am today. So now people know me as a teacher beyond a financial teacher. A lot of people will talk to me just about personal development in general. And I could go back to first grade, my first grade teacher, Ms. Boynton. Uh, you know, I was a really smart kid and I just always wanted to have the answers. And I would raise my hand for every question. And one day she just said, Miss Cunningham, my maiden name, put your hand down. And I was so shocked. <laughs> and, uh, I couldn't believe it. I remember putting my head on my desk. I was just so frustrated with her. And she's like, that's it. You're staying in for recess. And I stayed in for recess that day. And she got in my face really close. And she said, listen, I know you know the answers, but it's not enough that you know if your friends don't. When you know something, you have a responsibility to share with your friends Wow. And Maria, she is the first person who did not condemn me for for being that person, because I remember being told, like, you know, people trying to shut you down. Oh, yeah. Miss Know-It-All. Right? Yep, I know. You're Miss Know-It-All, that yep. type of thing. And she allowed me for the rest of that school year when I was done with my work, because I always got done early to go around and help people. And that is the very reason to this day, I believe I'm wired the way that I am. So when I know something, I feel that I have a responsibility, like I am compelled to share. And that has been a part of the secret sauce 
my entire career is that I haven't waited until things were perfect. Right. I didn't I don't wait until I'm a perfect 10 at something. If at best I'm a seven, I still feel a responsibility to share what I know with one through sixes. Whoa, 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 whoa. (laughs) Do we have interns on this call? No. (laughs) Who's taking the notes? Pooja? Pooja. Pooja, write all of those notes now. (gasps) Patrice, that's amazing. Yeah, it's completely shaped how I live my life. So, and it's question. So if you were doing it from such a young age, right? Like a lot of people are helpful and like helping people, right? How were you able to monetize that without guilt? Oh, that's a great question. Um, well, let me tell you how I got into monetizing it first or even the, the pre-monetization. So okay. when I left college, uh, I went on and that real estate and mortgage brokerage became a seven figure business. And I thought, Maria, that I would do it forever. I had 16 loan officers and real estate agents, uh, you know, 13 pieces of uh, investment property myself young black girl from South Central Los Angeles. I felt like I had made it. I was the one. I was the one that everyone came to. 13 pieces of property, all these employees. This was your company you built. This was my company with my husband at the time like that we built. He was my best friend and husband. And so we built this together, 25 years old, seven figure business. And I thought it would go on forever until Mm -hmm. the recession hit. And when the recession hit, Not only did it hit us all very hard across all industries, but I was actually in the hospital on bed rest. So I had taken a fall down the stairs at 20 weeks pregnant, and it sent me into preterm labor. And when I got to Cedar sinai they said, ma'am, I'm sorry, this baby's coming any minute now. And that started a 10-week stint in the hospital. And then my daughter did. She was born healthy, though. She was born 10 weeks early, but she was healthy, three pounds, two ounces. She stayed in the NICU. And when I left the hospital, all during this time, the banks that we worked with were closing down. Oh, no yeah. deals were closing. Yeah, yeah, you're right. All the ban- it's That's the part we forget, I think, is we know we hit that, you know, horrible time, but the banks were closing. <laughs> The banks were closing, which meant no deals that we had in our office were really closing. So here we go from a seven figure year to barely making anything from month to month. And we're exhausting our savings, paying for everything. And so I went uh, about a year from uh, after exhausting savings from a seven figure business to scraping up change. Literally, Um, I sold everything I could on Craigslist in a weekend because my 6,000 square foot home had foreclosed and I was literally our our matching Range Rovers were being repossessed. Oh, my God. So all of this is going on and I have this newborn preemie and everything that could happen is happening. And when the home foreclosed, we ended up fleeing to Metairie, Louisiana, where I lived in this 600 square foot apartment in in a little sketchy neighborhood. Uh, And that is where I had the, I call it like a come to Jesus moment (laughs) where I was in the mirror, in the bathroom, like, okay, God, why me? Because I've been so used to being the person that could figure it out. Mm -hmm. And this was the first time in my life that I remember just being like, I've brought myself as far as I could take myself. I don't know what else to do. I've tried to remain positive. Like, I'm really great for the one line mantras and like all the things you're using all the tools. <laughs> I've yeah. used all the tools that I know and I have nothing left to give. And I'm in the mirror and I'm like, God, why me? And I've you're 25. 
At this time, I'm 27. By now, I'm 27, and I'm like, God, why me? Kelsey, I've been a good your person. Age. Insane. I'm. My mind is blown. Yeah, I operate in in integrity. I treat people wow. well. I don't feel like this is fair, and I know we've all felt that. Like, why do bad things happen to good people? Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't think I deserve this. Is this karma? What the heck did I do? Like, I was going through all those things. When you're on the go, 24 seven, like me, guys, finding ways to make life easier is so important for my health and sanity. (laughs) And that's exactly what my friends at Macy's do for me. From working there as a teenager to now going to them for so many of my daily essentials, it's been my go-to for so many years. And having everything in one place is such a time saver for me. With being a first-time mom for a while now, as you know, I've had plenty of those and being able to rely on them for all the things has been amazing. Plus having everything in one place has made being a new mom just a little bit easier for me. So I know we're all focusing on our families, our health, hopefully our jobs and everything in between, but it's time to make your life a little easier. And to help you out, I've curated all of my essentials from Macy's for you and the whole fam. All the details are in the show notes below, or you can just click the link in the description to get your hands on them too. I have some new picks on there. This little bomber jacket, this little black dress. You're gonna love it. I started to cry and then it turned into like an all-out bawling session. Have you ever had like that good snot? Marie, Mm -hmm. like that ugly cry. Oh, many, many times. Yeah, it was one of those good, ugly, nasty cries with snot coming down your nose. Like it was a whole thing. And I was on the bathroom floor, literally in fetal position, like crying out. And I remember what I refer to as a still small voice saying, get your Bible. And I ended up on this scripture, Proverbs 17, 16. And it said, what good is money? in the hands of a fool if they had no desire to seek wisdom. And that just hit so different. It to this day it's why my social media handle my social media handles are seek wisdom PCW. And what was your it, interpretation it, of that for you in that moment? Woo, first of all, I was like, God, you're calling me dumb. I'm trying to understand. Like I just <laughs> felt like what is <laughs> what is going on here? And it was the first time that I felt prompted to understand what wisdom meant because I thought I was wise. Mm. I felt wise because you were. people always came to me. You were wise before your years. I know. I was told the same thing my whole life. So I get yeah. it. And you're like, but I am wise. I am wise. But. but that was the day that I learned the difference between knowledge and wisdom. Mm-hmm. So I confused the two and I used them interchangeably like many of us do. Right. I had a lot of knowledge and book smarts. I could retain information very well. I could regurgitate it very well. Awesome test taker. Got my broker, passed the broker's exam first try, right? But that wasn't the same as wisdom. Wisdom is knowing how to apply the knowledge you have, when to apply it, where to apply it, with whom. And that was the aha moment for me because I was so used to being the one that people came to. I wasn't really used to seeking wise counsel for myself. So I knew a lot of things. I didn't know how to apply it to my life in that season. Mm. Also, and that don't was a you game think, changer for me. Patrice, don't you think also wisdom comes with those trials and tribulations, with those slumps, <laughs> with those down moments? Because, you know, I think that for those who are wise beyond their years, I mean, there's got to be like a past life thing and, and different lives that brought you to this place where you are Mm -hmm. wise beyond your years. But you also, 
I don't think can gain wisdom without going through some shit. Like you had to go through that shit to be able to help the one through sixes in the next version of life, right? Like absolutely, you can't get there without going through it. So anytime I go through my down moments, my really, really like horrible parts, I I never really say why me anymore because I'm like, well, why not me? I'm the one who has to go through it so I can help other people. That's how I feel too. I feel that when I come out on the other side of things that I'm literally blessed to be a blessing, right? So I'm experiencing that not just for myself, but because I'm always going to feel compelled to help other people. But I do believe what I learned about myself in that season is that for much of that time, I was suffering in silence. I fled to New Orleans, to Metairie, Louisiana, and no one knew why. They thought we just politely moved. We didn't just move. We literally were trying to get away from all of the chaos that we were experiencing in L.A. at that time. And I do believe in wise counsel. Right. I do believe in getting support that there are people who can support you through difficult times. But I was raised to believe you don't tell people your business. Right. So Mm -hmm. I was willing to wait until my back was up against the wall and I had taken myself as far as I could take myself before I would say I need help. And I think that's one of the biggest lessons I've learned and what I attribute to my success today is that I'm a person that does still process things by myself a great part of the time I'm very like introspective but I don't try to force myself to do everything by myself when I know that I'm up against something I look for support um trusted advisors mm-hmm. where can I seek wise counsel because uh, you know there's nothing new under the sun somebody's <laughs> gone through an experience like this and they have some wisdom that they can give me that should help my journey go a little smoother. I still am going to have my own journey. Yep. But I've found that it's much easier when I accept support and I don't look at things like, oh, they'll be in my business. I don't give a damn about that. Do you have a tool, a resource, a prayer, (laughs) a sermon, like a something that you can extend to me that'll help me get through this piece with more, this piece of my story with more ease or grace and or dignity? I think that's amazing. I think it's scary to be vulnerable, like for like putting yourself myself in your shoes. You've built this, you know, empire. You've built this real estate empire, and you've got all of this stuff. And at twenty five and twenty six, you're like, my God, I've killed it. Like I, I am the American dream beyond, like yeah. <laughs> the American dream. And to admit um, loss, failure, even though it wasn't your fault right, is is a vulnerable position to be in. And I know a lot of people get there and it's scary to say, I need help because then, because people are like sharks too, right? Mm-hmm. So I think that the way it's kind of all set up, it's set up so that you don't want to ask or or let anybody know. That's why people are all, you know, everything looks good from the outside because if you know what's going on the inside, you may not respect me or want to do business with me, or you'll set me aside because you don't think I'm worthy anymore. There's so many of those feelings. So how do you advise people to get past that? Um, Or how do you advise them to choose maybe more carefully who they're going to go to? That's a great question. I'll tell you, when I got up off that bathroom floor, one of the first things I did was start this free blog. Um, The next day, I was like, I want to go everywhere and share this with people. 
And a part of that, I started to pick apart the book of Proverbs. And so I was really, if you're familiar with the book of Proverbs at all in the Bible, uh, it talks about wisdom like a lot. And that was really encouraging me to just be vulnerable, like you said, with people. We don't always get to choose who the messenger is. And I found that even being vulnerable with strangers, it was like, what what the hell is the worst that could happen? Really? It, like, I'm not giving you my social security number. Mm-hmm. At the time, it was trash. My credit was trash. So there's nothing you could do with that. Um, and I'm not giving you information that is so sensitive that you could use it to come back on me. I really pray every day for wisdom and discernment. And so I have found that I've had the most amazing conversations with Uber drivers who have like deposited something and given me something to think about. Mm. And I've had great mentors like Steve Harvey or other people, you know, throughout my career where even though the advice was true for them and it felt right, like it was the best thing that I've still had to run it up against. Does this feel in alignment with my assignment here? Mm-hmm. And if it doesn't, I have the right to reject it with love, but I have the right to reject it. And for me, back to that place of solitude, it's really just been, I don't concern myself with our people trying to use me because I believe that when you think like that, you're going to continue to find confirmation of that. Um, I believe wholeheartedly that most people want to support me. Now, does that mean that I haven't run into scoundrels and scammers and charlatans <laughs> over this decade? When of course I have. When you're in the business of helping people, that is a like, it's just what you're going to deal with. It's just a part. It's a part yeah. of it. Right. But kind of like we said earlier, there were a lot of a lot of lessons that came out of that, too. And I've been able to use those lessons to continue to be a blessing to the one through sixes. So I still see it all as as things that are happening for me, not to me. I love it. That's my favorite line. It got me through so much in life. Life is happening for you, not to you. Shout out to Tony Robbins. Thank you, Tony Robbins. Patrice, I think we're going to be best friends. I don't know if you know this. Do you live in L.A.? Not anymore. Shit. I live in Atlanta I'm now, to but I'm to always Atlanta. in LA. My mom is still there. <laughs> okay, perfect. We're now going to be best friends. I'm obsessed. <laughs> <laughs> all right, friends, let's talk about something we all do. Snack. Trust me, I've definitely overindulged in the past, but as you know, I am focused on my health these days. And I think I found the healthier snack that you don't have to lose out on the flavor. And it's definitely become my go-to. It first came into the house because of Kevin. He was obsessed with wonderful pistachios. And then I got addicted. And now it's in my travel bag. I don't leave home without it. It's in our glove compartments because they don't melt. Right now, my favorite flavor is the sweet chili flavor. It feels like some of the naughtier kind of snacks I used to use where I used to lick my fingers after. Now I lick them and I feel safer. Um, Plus, Wonderful Pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. That's crazy, guys. So if you're looking for the perfect snack, trust me and head over to www.wonderfulpistachios.com to snag a bag of Wonderful Pistachios. You're going to love them. I remember my mom always struggling with her hair. It's frizzy Maria, my mom would say in her Greek accent. Tiehis, what do you have? I tried so hard to find her products. I wish I could share these products I'm using now with her because I know she would be so happy to finally have good hair days. 
I've always believed that hair is a woman's best accessory. And with Way's new anti-frizz cream, you can ensure that your hair always looks its best without the frizz stealing the spotlight. It's a lightweight cream that not only provides immediate frizz control, but also helps prevent heat damage. And get this, it lasts up to 72 hours. That's three whole days of frizz-free, gorgeous hair. Way seriously has some of my favorite products for taming the frizz. Pro tip, one of my biggest discoveries is using the Way hair oil on the ends of my hair before I dry it. Let me tell you, it's a game changer. Once it's dry, my hair looks so smooth and polished. I don't even need to do anything else. It is incredible. I love it. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to the Way, T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and enter the promo code Heel Squad for 15% off any product. That's the Way, T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com, promo code Heel Squad. Trust me, you won't regret it. Um, well, it's hard to like, when you find people that are on that same kind of page, it's funny. Um, Tom and Lisa are good friends who, who we mentioned earlier, Tom and Lisa Bilio and that whole kind of group that I'm sure you're connected with as well. And when you meet those like-minded people, you're like, Oh no, 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 we're, we're, we're going to be tight. I can't let you go. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Lisa and I have had full on embraces. You know, Lisa's is little, I'm 5'10". So I literally picked her up in the airport one time and spun her around because we, <laughs> that's what I my do flight my... was landing and their flight was going to take off. And we realized we were in the same airport and we had this full on embrace in the middle of the airport. And I can only imagine what people were thinking, but it was hilarious. Oh my God. And um, Yeah. When you find those types of folks yeah. and, th- and that's the thing, I think being open and willing though, to understanding that Again, you can you can create those connections and have wise counsel. Lisa is someone that I go to and text, you know, when when I have questions about things or something is going on. And I feel that being open to that frequency has created all of these really amazing relationships in my life. I really do. So it's not easy to be vulnerable, but it's the it for me, it has been the absolute best thing Mm -hmm. I could have done was embrace that. Because now I get to, you know, now I get to have that wisdom from all of these amazingly brilliant people. And I do believe it's making my journey so much sweeter. Oh, for sure. I actually had a moment with her last summer. I was at her house. We had done this whole like girls day. And I stayed kind of to the end because I didn't want to go home. And I was just like, I was grieving my mom's passing. And I was super sad and just super low and... I just started like, like letting it all out. And she was like, you don't feel like you can do this. And she was so confused because she was like, I've watched you on TV forever and I've watched you succeed. And I'm like, yeah, I don't think I'm good enough to do any of this. And I just was so weak. And like, I let it out. It was the first time I really have been that vulnerable, I think. And, uh, and I look back and I'm like, I'm really glad that I did that. Because it's not showing weakness. It's Mm-mm. it's just being honest. And that will help other people be honest too. Well, and I love that. I love that. Because I think that for folks with platforms, when we only talk about things from that mountaintop perspective, right? 99% of people are in a valley at any given moment. Mm-hmm. I would venture to say 100% of us are in a valley in some area of our lives in any given moment. And it it gives such hope. And so it creates such possibility when you see that folks who have amassed great success or have great fortune who are also like, yeah, I don't feel like I can do this. Like no one is exempt. 
Mm-hmm. Life is going to happen. It's not a matter of if it's when we all are experiencing things at any given moment on this journey mm-hmm. that were not what we bargained for. It's not what we prayed for. It's not what we hoped for. But damn it, we're here. Mm-hmm. Right. And <clears throat> I choose at this stage in my life to not be someone who does not share the lessons or what's going on in the middle. Right. There's a great pastor from Transformation Church. His name is Mike Todd. And he did a, a sermon and he goes, um, we can't only talk about like what what it's like at the end, because now it's all rosy and it's perfect. And we've got every lesson worked out. He's like, what about in the middle mm-hmm. when you're in the middle of it? When you can share and be vulnerable and be authentic and transparent about the experience, even when it's scary to do that, that's when you can truly one, I think heal yourself because <laughs> like as I'm sharing things and talking about things, those lessons get re-cemented for me as well. Yeah. But also be, again, a blessing to other people. It's in the middle. I'm not going to wait until it's perfect because perfection is never coming. I, and I don't know how long it's going to take to master some of the crap, you know, that you go through when you're in it. But on my podcast, I'm always like, OK, I'm in it. And so here's what I'm processing now. Mm-hmm. Here's what I learned most recently. And here's where I think this is going. But we can totally come back and revisit if that's how it went. And people, I believe, truly appreciate that. And it lets us off the hook because I I refuse to be a public success and a private failure. Oh, yeah, that's good. I don't want to present myself on a daily basis like I have it all figured out. On any day, I am awesome and a hot ass mess. <laughs> and it is what it is. I love that. That's amazing. Um, so so let's go back because I want everyone to hear how you got out of this. Mm-hmm. Banks close. You guys sell the matching Range Rovers, the 6,000 square foot house. You move to Louisiana or you flee to Louisiana. You have this aha moment with this Bible passage. You start this blog and then what happens? So I just want to say I didn't sell the house it foreclosed. Oh, and sorry. I Good point. I didn't, I didn't sell the cars. They were repossessed. So Good I just point. want to make sure. They're, very, they're no, very clear. clear. I appreciate that. You're right. <laughs> that would have been great. I wish that was the story. That's not what happened. But thank you so for I the clarification. Off this bathroom floor and I start this free blog. And I'm I'm doing the blog every week. I'm like picking apart a proverb that has a money or business lesson and sharing my thoughts. And I thought that was the easiest way to share with friends. So initially, I don't really know online stuff. I owned a brick and mortar business. I'm emailing these blogs out um, to friends and family. And the first couple of weeks, people thought it was cute. They entertained me. And shortly thereafter, I realized not even my mom or my husband was reading. And I was like, Maybe I need to get on LinkedIn <laughs> and and start looking for a job. Although I had been an entrepreneur, you know, up until that point, I'm like, maybe I need a job. So I stopped writing. And I'll never forget this man emailed me out of the clear blue sky one day and said, hey, um, I hope you're well. I've been reading your blog and you haven't posted in a while. Just want to be sure you're good. And I was like, stranger danger. Who is this man? I've never seen this. I didn't even understand how to look at analytics or like the back end. I didn't see that people were commenting and I needed to approve the comments. I didn't understand any of that, girl. I was just going in, making my my little post, hitting publish, waiting for friends to reply to my email and say they read it. And, you know, I almost gave up. 
I, I literally hadn't done anything in weeks with the blog and I almost gave up. And that was the lesson for me. That was an audience of one is still an audience. Mm. If I'm only going to write for this guy, I'm going to keep writing. But then I realized through analytics that actually 40 people <laughs> were, were reading or seeing it. And this is in 2009. Um, and that turned into me actually pursuing writing for other websites. And then I ended up being asked to write for a few magazines like Black Enterprise. And then I needed to defend myself. There's one article I wrote for uh, a pretty big site back then. And a local radio station picked it up and they were talking about me, not in the best way. And people were tagging me on Twitter and I didn't understand what was going on because the station was in Texas. And I called them to see if I could come on and share my perspective, like why I wrote what I wrote. And they they allowed that. And then next thing you know, I was getting invited to do that more often. Um, and by 2014, uh, by then I had written two books and... That's when I started on the Steve Harvey show. I became the money maven of the Steve Harvey show. I did four years answering people's personal finance questions every year. But it was just like one, I call them God winks, like one yeah. thing after another. And I was just following the breadcrumbs. I really, when I was on the bathroom floor, I was not like, oh, I want to be an author. I want to be a speaker. I want to do this. I was like, how can I share with people what I just learned? And that guy affirming that for me made me realize if it's one person, I'm going to keep down this path. It just so happens it's been millions and I'm grateful for that. But my heart has always been if it's one person, I'm going to do it. Wow. So many thoughts. Um, when you started the blog, was it one of those things where it was helpful to you to be processing this, these money tips as well. Like I started better together. Cause I'm like, I want to go on this journey to get better in all areas of life. So I'm going to do it with you. Cause it's a lot more fun to do it with people. So this isn't me always preaching and teaching or whatever, or bringing on amazing guests like you. It's like, we're all in this together. We're all going on this journey. So I'm gaining every single day. Yes. Was it like that for you? <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes. It was definitely like that for me. My heart was like, you know, when people would reach out to me and ask me, basically, who are you? Like, I, I, I like this. When I started to write for some of the websites, it was like, well, what is this lady's background? Should I even take her seriously? Yeah. I still had like a Yahoo account, I think back then. And I remember it being in the byline that you could send me a message at Yahoo. And one of the comments were like, I, why would you trust this lady? She still has a Yahoo account <laughs> like back in the day. It was, you know, comments yeah, were brutal even back then. Right. Yeah. And I was like, you know, they were like, who are you? And I, I would say I did lose all my money, but my mind isn't bad. The fact that I can create a seven figure business by 25, I got to know something. And I used to say, God, been there, done that on the way back. Right. Because the lessons were the lessons, but this is where my current brand, Redefining Wealth, comes from. When people would ask me, well, how did you, because I eventually left New Orleans and ended up sleeping on my brother's couch in Atlanta um, for several months with my baby. And when people say, well, how did you get off your brother's couch and sit on the couch next to Dr. Oz or Steve Harvey or whoever? It wasn't the money stuff anymore. It was all the internal work. It was the work I was doing on other parts of my life that I believe prepped me to receive opportunities that would create financial wealth. 
So even to this day, when I talk about wealth, what we always share is that wealth is so much more than money and material possessions. One of the things that I learned in 2009 while I was deep diving between knowledge and wisdom and all this stuff, it was also looking at wealth. And I found that the original 12th century definition of wealth is actually the condition of well-being. That was the original definition. It was never money. It was never assets. It was never material possessions. It was the condition of well-being. And also it said happiness. And I remember this feeling of, I know I'm not happy with where I am financially, but how can I make myself happier, right? Just in life. And I didn't call it the six pillars of wealth. That's what my community and I call it now. At the time, it was just, what are the things that I could do to make myself happy? For me, working out made me happy. So instead of avoiding it and allowing all the pressures of constant eviction notices and people turning the power off and dealing with folks at the welfare office, instead of all of that being the only thing that I I dwelled on in that season, I was like, what are the things that can make me happy? I remember, Maria, I found a Target gift card in a bag that someone had given us from my daughter's uh, for my daughter's birth. And it had like $50 on it. And we, I went to target with it immediately. You know, I was so excited, right? It was like finding candy or something. I was so excited. I went to target. And one of the things that I knew would make me happy was to bring more joy into the space because we lived in this, you know, a little teeny apartment and it wasn't in the best neighborhood. And I spent a lot of time in the bathroom because that was the only like alone space. Hence, that's where I had my come to Jesus. Right. But I went and found like a shower curtain and some towels and little rug and all this stuff. It was on clearance. It was black and red. Didn't match a damn thing in the house. That didn't matter. (laughs) It was what was on sale. And I got all this stuff and I could imagine people going financially. That was not responsible. As a first-time mom with a baby, I'm always on the go, whether it's running errands, getting my coffee, going to doctor's appointments, or just spending quality time with little Athena. And that's why I rely on wonderful pistachios to keep me fueled and ready for anything, no matter where I am. Kevin even keeps us bag stashed in the nursery. you know, for the nighttime hunger moments. Wonderful pistachios comes in a variety of flavors and sizes, making them the perfect snack to have literally any time, whether I'm enjoying them during a quick break in between taping this show or I'm on the go and it's in the diaper bag. I do carry it in my travel bag and they're in my car. At this point, when I'm leaving the house, I think keys, wallet, wonderful pistachios. (laughs) Bonus, wonderful pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts with six grams of protein in every one ounce serving. So on top of all that, They keep me feeling satisfied. I'm energized while I'm juggling all this crazy stuff in life. Next time you're looking for a convenient and guilt-free snack, head over to www.wonderfulpistachios.com and stock up on your favorite flavors today. Minus the sweet chili. You have a kid. You should have gotten, you know, formula or any of these things. But something in me was like, you need to create a sacred space. Even in this teeny tiny space, you need to create a space that you can enjoy. And I used that $50 gift card. It probably came up to literally like $47. I was holding my breath the whole time. But I get back home and I, you know, zhuzh up the bathroom and organize things. And it brought me such peace, right? And when I look back over my story and this last decade, what has helped me rebuild my my financial wealth, but really mental wealth and just have peace again It was all the other parts of life that I was working on that had nothing to do directly with money. 
it's the thing that actually led me down this path. I have in like two weeks, I'll be complete with an MBA in behavioral finance and financial psychology. Wow. Congrats. But really, it was just thank you. It was because I wanted <laughs> to understand the science what I, of what I was already doing and what I knew to be true. Right. And I was like, uh, if there's research behind this, because right now it's all intuition. Mm-hmm. But it really proved the point that there are so many other parts of our lives that impact our finances, even when we're not thinking about it. And some of us are so consumed with money, money, money. I have to make more. I have to budget better. I have to save more. I need to learn how to invest. We're so focused on that, that there's all these other parts of our lives that are bankrupt. Oh. And if we don't work on those things, the money, we may get it, but we'll never sustain it. And that's the message that I have now. And when I look back over my life, truly what's gotten me here has been the ability to continue to look for these different parts of my life that need some support. They need some attention. And that's where I put my effort. The money is a natural byproduct. Drop every mic around us. Um, I see Kelsey freaking out in there. <laughs> I know what you're saying is true because my husband really knows this. I am money is one of those things that I'm always afraid of because I grew up poor and I watched my parents struggle and we never had money and and I am terrified to be back in that situation. So I, if it wasn't for Kevin, would still have the first dollar I ever made. I would probably still live in like the smallest little, I, I would go without just to have in the bank to feel that security and that safety. Mm-hmm. He is the one who is like just the renegade, Abundance. like, like let's invest in our business. And when I had brain surgery, he was like working around the house, like crazy to update and clean up and make everything look great. And I'm like, what are you doing? You psycho. I'm going to be out of work. And he's like, Maria, your sanity and your happiness is going to be more important right now than the money I'm spending to do this because you're going to be recovering. And if you're seeing things dilapidated or a mess, it's going to depress you more. Yes. Come on, Kevin. That's right? my kind of guy. Yes. Thank that's God. That's it. Yeah. Well, and that's why I always say like God brings people into your life for, for reasons. It's like, sometimes you need a little of them and they need a little of you, whether it's in your romantic relationship or in your friendships. But, um, but what you said there is so important because, you know, it isn't just about, um, how much money you have. It's like your happiness. I went for years starving myself of ever feeling any of my success. I was making so much money. I was so successful and I wouldn't buy myself anything. I was so sick, Patrice. I wouldn't buy water at the gas station because I'm like, oh, it's free when I go home. I was crazy. Okay. But that was so common. That was how I was doing it. And Kevin literally was like, Maria, you have to start buying things or you're never going to feel good and you're never going to own or feel your success. And it's been a problem that I've worked on now since, but um, definitely still not where I should be because it's, you know, it's a massive childhood thing to break. Oh, yes. But, but this is why I tell people, right? When folks say, well, where's, where's what should I start with when it comes to my finances? examining your childhood, Hmm. the verbal influences, the things that you heard, right? Um, What you saw, any modeling and any experiences, specific experiences. Many of us are still managing our finances through the lens of a childhood trauma experience. Mm -hmm. 
So you're 36, but like six-year-old version of you is still running the show. Yep. And, and many of us have to heal that. The first pillar at redefining wealth is fit. And we talk about becoming physically fit, yes, but mentally fit. When I, one of mine, and it wasn't necessarily a money thing, although I had many money instances, but I will tell you that I grew up feeling like the ugly kid, the ugly duckling in the family. And I was always told, oh, you're too dark or you're too tall or your lips are too full or any number of things. And so I really never identified as being pretty. I was the, I was the achiever. So I got all my validation from getting A's, right? So as I got older and it started to become time for me to go out and build the business and those things, I would prevent myself from having conversations with people. Always a really great talker, um, but I was ashamed of my face. So I didn't always want to be seen, right? Just so crazy because so you're matter. gorgeous. <laughs> Thank you. It didn't matter how many certifications I could get or how many books I could read. And nowadays, how many podcasts you could listen to. Many of us are trying to overcompensate, right? Imposter syndrome for what we feel like we lack. And that's the thing that's actually stopping us from getting to the wealth that we desire, stopping mm -hmm. us from building better professional relationships or submitting the proposal or asking for the raise, right? It wasn't until after three years of therapy at 25 years old that I could look in the mirror without cringing and without wishing that I looked like somebody else. When you look at pictures of me from my childhood, I was always tucking my lips in. I was slouching. I used to put on extra clothes so I could look a little thicker. Now I don't have that problem, girl. At 40, <laughs> I don't have that problem. But back then I did, right? And I was, I was doing all of these things. This is so important. Because had I not dealt with that childhood trauma, there's no way that I could be this version of Patrice that people see today. And I started to be vulnerable enough to tell that story because I would meet people and they would say, you're so confident and you've been on all these things. I look at my life today. There's no way that I could be on stages of up to 10,000 people. There's no way my face could be all in these magazines or on these book covers or the national television had I not dealt with that childhood trauma because our businesses and our finances, whatever it is that we're dreaming of, they're only going to grow to the extent we're willing to heal. Oh, and most people are not willing to heal and to deal with that childhood trauma. And they think it's a, it's a, I need more schooling thing. You know, more than enough, but whatever you dealt with in childhood is preventing you from actually following through with what you already know. Yes. Are we in therapy right now? This is amazing. I feel like I'm supposed to go through all my problems right now. But I, we talk about childhood traumas here a lot, and I see how it runs our ride. And I see that in my life, for example, the cycles that just kept repeating and repeating and repeating and repeating, and you're like, why me? Why does this keep happening to me? Well, it's not just happening to you. It's literally the, the programming that's just running the ride. And until you can get mm -hmm. off the ride and really address it, and figure it out, um, you know, because my husband always was like, there's just some block, there's some block in there. And, yeah. and so more money doesn't solve it. You're a perfect example. Having more money didn't solve, nope. right, or get to the heart of why you were in that cycle. Like more than like, you could buy a million bottles of water. And you're like, No, that no, I'm gonna stay parched. Yeah, for another 36 minutes until I make it <laughs> until home. I make it home. Right. Yeah, <laughs> right. I'll be parched. Like we... We're the same person. Yeah. 
I, I went through all of that. But now you know what season I'm in? Girl, I'm in a season where I believe in paying for peace. Yeah. <laughs> like if I need support or if I need something, I am all about scaling joy and paying for peace. And I realize that the more peaceful I am, the more profitable I become. We think that we have to work harder. And, you know, as a as a young black girl, I remember hearing all the time, you got to work twice as hard or three times as hard to be considered half as good. So what do we do? We create these cycles of burnout where we run ourselves into the ground trying to be accepted in mainstream America, right? I have la- learned, though, over these last several years in particular, that the more at peace I am, actually the more productive I can be mm-hmm. and the more profitable I have become. And when people say less is more, that's what that's what they're referring to. Like, it's not the, oh, I do all the things and I have to wear all the hats, You right? You starting a business as an entrepreneur, Yes. When you first start, you are the janitor, the CEO, the marketing director, the assistant, like you do the runs, like you like you do everything. One of the exercises I give my clients now, though, is here is an organizational chart. It will start with your name in every box. But your goal should be how do I keep erasing my name and adding someone else's? It is better (laughs) to invest in peace. (laughs) Like, I have learned to pay for peace. I'm not going to overstress myself about not a damn thing. Mm-hmm. And I and I don't feel bad anymore. The reason I didn't have support um, earlier, too, was kind of back to what you asked me uh, some time ago. I used to think that it was a bad thing to do stuff like pay someone to do the laundry. Mm-hmm. Right. Because that conditioning and that, you, you know, as a mother and a wife. You need to run your household. You don't have anyone else coming in. And okay, but is that the highest and best use of my time, of my energy? And does it bring me joy? It doesn't. Have And someone else's business could be supported. There's other people out there where this is how this is how their livelihood is set up. And you could be a blessing to them and go do the work that you're like created to do. And be a blessing to those you're supposed to serve in that way. And so now, girl, I get help in every. Mm-mm. I love it <laughs> like in every way. It's I can. so important. I mean, my programming was you don't pay to have anything done that you can do yourself. And that Isn't was that my, a lie from the pits of hell. Oh my God. I'm Greek. My parents are immigrants from Greece. They're like workhorses that can do everything. My dad could build a spaceship if I asked him to, like they can do anything and i'm central american first generation american same thing i saw people take absolutely nothing and turn it turn it into everything always but what got you to egypt won't get you to the promised land Ooh, say that girl as my friend dean graziosi taught me and i was like oh okay so you know i did you know that method got me to a certain place but it's not going to get me to the next level And it's funny because we just had this conversation maybe a few months ago with my husband. He's like, Maria, he's like, we have to start paying for shit. (laughs) He's like, like, we'll have a party and I'm like doing everything still. He's like, we have to start paying for people to help us. He's like, Mm -hmm. we can't do all of it ourselves. And I'm like, yeah, I'm definitely getting too old to do all of it. And also the real part of it is like you said, it's not our best use of time. And I have found, um, you know, the same thing that you said, more is more. 
Um, I've really worked hard to try to simplify my life and I'm continuously simplifying my life. So my other question to you is you were 25 with 13 properties and all this stuff. Are you doing things differently now so that your life is simpler, but still abundant? Absolutely. Um, first of all, again, just that leaning on support. I like a lot of those properties I shouldn't have purchased at that time. I, they were completely, I was completely over leveraged, right? I didn't have mentorship. I didn't have coaching. I didn't know those things were a thing um, back at that time. And so I made a lot of decisions just based purely on emotions Mm -hmm. and feelings and no facts. I'm still very spirit led, but I try to be more strategic now. So before I make those types of decisions, I have a business manager, I have a financial planner, I have a financial advisor. Like I've I've incorporated, I feel like I surrounded myself with more accountability so I can get support. Doesn't mean I always take their advice. Because like I said, I still reject advice that doesn't feel in alignment, but at least I will seek the wise counsel Mm -hmm. so I can take it into consideration. Um, But I do, I live a much simpler life than I did at that time. And that's really one of the reasons that I believe in the work that I do with redefining wealth for yourself, because I've learned, especially in this space as an entrepreneur, Uh, and an online entrepreneur, that it becomes really easy to start looking at other people's goals and metrics and what they're achieving. And if you're not careful, you'll go, oh, I need to be on that list or I need to hit that thing. And now you're working for something that was not even assigned to you. Mm -hmm. Right. So now and, and then you're back in that that struggle. My prayer, like last year, my theme for the year was, Lord, how, how do I become content with contentment? This, this is the number that I desire to hit. I don't care that it's less than so-and-so's number or that my other girlfriends, and I'm surrounded by, again, I have some really amazing <laughs> friends, yeah. right? I have no idea. Sometimes I'm like, how do I have billionaires numbers in my phone? Like yep. really amazing things, right? But my daughter just started high school this year. Well, last year, right? She's in her freshman year of high school. What matters the most to me is spending as much time as I can watching TikToks with her, laughing every evening, getting into all the high school girl drama because it's so dramatic, right? (laughs) You have your own reality show. (laughs) (laughs) Right? It's like attending her basketball games and hanging out with her for me is the wealthiest thing the highest and best use of my time, that is what really promotes my well-being in this season. That comes at a price that I'm willing to pay. Mm-hmm. That means I don't take every invitation anymore. That means I had to start to decide, not just between good and great opportunities um, and not even just phenomenal opportunities. Now I have to choose between phenomenal and fulfilling. If it's not going to be fulfilling, but it's phenomenal money or a phenomenal platform, doesn't matter. I will say no. If it's not in alignment for me, It's just a no right now because I need this time, these three years that I have left, three and a half years or so, to pour into my daughter. I've got one kid and she almost didn't make it. If you remember the original story, she is a miracle. She's my miracle and she's my gift. And I want to be present with this present that I feel God gave me. And so in this season, I don't care about hitting $10 million. I don't care about, you know, I I don't care about those things. I still know that I have impact, right? And I still know that I have great influence, but I'm not going to run myself ragged 
you know, in somebody else's race. My race is with Reagan Washington right now. And as long as I'm present and upstairs by 5.30 p.m. when she's done with basketball, then that's a win for me. I think that's such an important message for people because I had that moment after brain surgery when I was in the hospital and, you know, you can't even imagine. You're just laid up in bed and I'm like, I was running everybody else's race. I was trapped in an old dream and I got sucked into the rat race of if they can do it, I can do it. If they can work a hundred hours a week, I can work a hundred hours a week. If they can do 50 shows a day, I can do 50 shows a day. Okay. And I was like, none of this is authentic to me. Mm -hmm. I was just proving that I could keep up. None of it was organic, authentic, or anything that meant anything to me. So to like mm-hmm. jump off that ride and and figure out what is authentic to me and what is right for me. And- Maria. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. So I have to say this. A couple things come up for me. Okay. You said it was an old dream. Mm-hmm. My theme for this year is dream a new dream. Mm. My theme for this year is dream a new dream. So First of all, thank you for saying that because I just, uh, God winks, like I see these little confirmations everywhere. Um, But that is so connected to what you said earlier about your upbringing, growing up poor Mm -hmm. and having that scarcity mindset that you could end up poor again. Yep. So now not only do you have to conserve like hell, you got to work like hell. And if it looks like, oh, I have to record 50 shows to stay on top and to be there, then you get sucked into that, right? And this is how, again, between Fit Pillar and the Money Pillar, which is the last one, when we don't work to examine these thoughts, these beliefs, um, these ideas that we have, then they dictate our actions, obviously. And then our actions end up giving us our results. Now, the end goal is, well, I want to be sure that I don't end up poor again And I make enough money. But what happens? We burn out. We run ourselves into the ground. We don't take care of the only vessel that we get. Mm -hmm. And now we're on some like health is wealth. It's cute to say until you truly have to prioritize your health. Yeah. Until it's already too late. And many of us are only working to afford prescriptions we can't pronounce when we're 40, 50, 60 years old. Yeah. That's what that's what most people are working for. You I don't have time to work out. I don't have time to sleep. I don't have time to meditate. Go to the doctor. Take a walk. I don't have time to make a doctor's appointment until your life is consumed with doctor's mm-hmm. appointments. Yeah. You, if, tell you, if you don't make time, is is gonna be made for you. <laughs> it, uh, we say it all the time here, Patrice. It's funny. We just got a review in on the show that literally speaks to this. And It was this woman here. Let's see. Oh, gosh. Another one came in through. Okay. This podcast has changed my life. As a 21-year-old, I didn't realize how much of what I do now will affect me later, especially health-wise. It's opened my eyes to all the preventative work I need to be doing to save myself the headaches. I also really love the Patreon and their heal events. Okay, so then she goes on to this other stuff. But that's my goal every day. It's like, hold up, everybody. Okay, (laughs) we really need to rethink this. So I always talk about redefining success based on what makes your heart sing, not the external pressures of I got to be a billionaire or my parents think I need to, you know, because I also live to make my parents proud. And so one of the other things that happened with me was, when I was having all these epiphanies, one of the first things that hit me after I was diagnosed with this brain tumor was, I'm dying to be me. 
I just kept feeling that inside of me. I'm dying to be me. I'm dying to be me. There were a lot of reasons why I couldn't be me. Me was too big for people. Me Mm -hmm. was, you know, too much. So I had to like keep dimming and, and dimming and dimming and dimming to make everybody feel good to try to fit into these situations that I didn't fit into at work and all of this stuff when I should have just been hearing the noise, like hearing the, the, the signals that I didn't really belong there anymore. Um, but I wrote a letter to my dad and I gave it to my best friend. I said, when I'm in surgery, give it to him. And inside the letter basically said, I'm going to live a very different life. If I come out the other side, if I come out the other side, I'm only going to do what makes me happy. I don't care if that doesn't come with accolades. I don't care if it doesn't come with a lot of money. I don't care if you have nothing to brag about anymore. I hope you're going to still love me for me in this new way because I can't do this anymore. This is killing me. And sorry, like it's really hard to say that without crying every time. But my dad, who was so terrified of me failing because of what everybody would say, then switched his gears and saw as well. Well, I mean, it was very easy for him. My mom had a brain tumor just a few months before me. So it was like a crazy time. He was probably so shell-shocked by it all. He's like, okay, I'll be good. I'll be good. (laughs) But has never asked me ever since then, what am I doing? Is not basing, you know, his pride on my accomplishments. It's just on me actually being a human. And I think that a lot of us live our lives like that. I mean, it's, it's really hard not to fall into those traps, but one of my biggest things, like I said, is redefining success for you. What makes yes. you happy isn't necessarily what's going to make everybody else happy, but it's it's what is right for you. And that's why I really love what you're talking about with redefining wealth, because it really encapsulates a lot of that in there. And I really want you to go through all those pillars as well. But it's so important for people to hear this, to hear the fact that you are reprioritizing and you know you can make the 10 million, the 20 million, whatever it is. But you're like, oh, more is more. How many more Range Rovers do I need? How many more? <laughs> and then, by the way, like I always say, more needs more, more staff, more this, more people, more complications, more stress. You know what's important for you. You know, yeah. your your daughter, it's couple years she's going to be off to college they live their life after that they're they're on their track these are precious years and also it's precious years for you to keep guiding her through the toughest moments and so i i give you so much credit for for seeing all of that and for for prioritizing your life in that way because i think it's it's so cool maria i have to tell you to identify so much with living to please your parents Because like I said, I I was very addicted to achievement. And, you know, while I had a lot of accolades very early, I wish they can say, I wish I could say they were purpose driven. Like, right, truly just because I wanted to do them. They were definitely more about wanting to prove Mm -hmm. that I could. And then also wanting to give my father bragging rights. I remember, uh, you know, just four years ago or so, my my younger siblings, their mom passed, unfortunately, from cancer. And I was at the wake. And one of my dad's old time friends from Belize, you know, came up and he said, aren't you the daughter that went to USC? And I go, yeah, you know, all proud. And he's like, um, what, what do you do now? Aren't you an attorney or something? And I was like, huh? 
I'm like, is my dad still telling people that I'm, <laughs> that I'm an attorney? I go, oh, no, I'm an author. You know, I just said something. And he's like, oh, what a waste. <laughs> he said, oh, what a waste and walked away. And I thought to myself, 10 years before, that would have torn me up. That would have just like, oh, my gosh. But in that moment, all I could do was like walk away astonished. And I told one of my siblings, like, you won't believe what just happened. But it was the catalyst for my siblings and I coming together. There are six of us coming together and initiating having these monthly calls with my dad. And so my dad, who had a brain tumor in 1999, the year I graduated from high school, who is still here kicking at 80 and looks wow. phenomenal. Wow. Was it, it wasn't malignant then? No. Not cancerous. It's like benign tumor. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. So he, you know, we initiated these monthly calls with my dad. Um, and, and the point of the calls w- was to just get to know us for us. It's not to talk about work. It wasn't to talk about what have you accomplished, like what raise, what promotion, what feature, mm-hmm. especially for me, because I don't have a traditional job. So my, it, it's been very hard for my dad to comprehend how I get paid or why. Mm-hmm. And he's still to this day, he goes, so people pay you just to talk. I just... <laughs> but like, how does that work? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, he just can't fathom that it makes sense. You know, even I work from home. He's always like, why are you always home? I'm like, because I work from home. Like, it's okay. I have a full studio and office here. It's fine. Right. He just couldn't get it. But me releasing the need to prove something to him or his friends or anyone. Oh, my gosh. Talk about another level of redefining wealth. Just the. <laughs> the weight lifted and the joy that I now have in talking to my dad because I don't have to hold my breath or I don't have to call with an agenda yeah. of like, I'm calling to share this good news. You know, I've been yeah. on things and seen on things and people now he's on Facebook at 80. He's on Facebook. <laughs> my and dad people is will tell him, so cute. <laughs> people will tell him about things that I'm doing. And he's like, Oh, you didn't tell me. And I still, I have to practice not trying to prove it. So I don't call him with, oh, I was just featured on this or I was on this list or I made this thing. It's like, what's up, dad? What you eating? Yeah. I just had such and such. And that's it. And boy, has that changed my life. And it's it's allowed me to to truly have a more authentic relationship with my father Um, and for all my siblings. It's been really, really good. So I completely girl. Mm -hmm. I hear you because 35 years of just wanting to prove. Yep that I deserved uh, love. I think I was earning love. And I, I realized I don't have to earn love, like not in that way. Well, it's something that I think a lot of us deal with, especially first gen for sure. It's like a yeah. massive thing for first gen. But I mean, think of how many people marry for their parents or don't marry for their parents. There's so much pain around doing just what your parents want you to do. Um, I love what you guys did. And I wonder, you know, it's funny in, in these last few years that I've kind of been shifting and, and doing different things and living a different life. Um, when people come up to you like that guy and he's like, what are you doing now? I always find myself like a little tongue tied. It's a little less easy because I also, I don't tie my worth 
anymore to any of it, but yes. everybody else still does. So then I told my husband, I'm like, do I like need a one liner? Because every time someone comes up and they ask me like, so what are you doing? And I'm like, Oh, just hustling, just doing my thing. <laughs> like I, hustling was like the last thing I said to an old agent I saw the other day. He's like, what are you doing now? And I'm like, Oh, just hustling. You know me just always doing something. Like I don't ever say what I'm doing because it doesn't matter to me to have to prove to them I'm worth something. Yeah. And, and, and part of it is, I've all, I've found myself in these situations where I'm like, so do you value me for me or do you value me for what I do? Because if you value me just for what I do, then I really don't have much interest in talking. Yeah. I cannot stand to be introduced by what I do if I'm not on stage or on like doing an interview or something. You know, you go to a barbecue and, you know, there's always someone walking around like going out oh, and what do you do? I'm first of all, hi, I'm Patrice. <laughs> nice to meet you. Like if yeah. someone jumps straight into what do you do? For me, the conversation is pretty much over right there. Yeah. I, I will say like living, living purposely, <laughs> like, you know, I'll say like a, a few little lines too. And, and it's funny when people come back and they go, you should have said that you were such a big deal. I'm like a big deal to who I'm here. I'm here to eat. I'm like, I'm here for potato salad. Honestly, like I'm not here to prove anything to anyone here. Like I prefer to meet people and have a genuine connection. And if it gets to like, when we get to that, we get to that. But I don't like to be introduced by that, especially in a personal setting. Um, And I definitely, you know, I don't even ask people what they do. Like real talk. I will chat with someone on a plane the entire time. Me too. I'm the same one. Just flew. Yeah, I just flew back here yesterday and I was speaking somewhere, got on a plane, talked to this guy. He had his dog. We talked about Yorkies. We talked about like any and everything yep. under the sun. I never asked him what he did. And the conversation was so good. We never got to what I did. And it was so nourishing. Yes. And I learned so much. And I was like, I'm good with that. Like, now I have had, I've, I've made connections with people on a plane and if it got to that, it naturally got to that and it was just cool. But anything that just starts with what do you do? My worth is not caught up in a title mm-hmm. um, of any kind. And I just, that's, that's what I do. It's not who I am. Yeah. If you're not interested in who I am, then we really like, where are we going? Nowhere. Oh my God. So true. I think it's, it's funny because sometimes, and I know if I'm feeling like this, other people probably feel like this. You you see those people come up and they're like, they say their full name and they're just, you know, they have this whole thing. And I'm like, should I be doing some of that? Like, should I be? And I'm always like, Hey, Maria. Like I'm just, but same. But I think the message is, is like, whatever you are, you are. Don't try to change it. Don't try to shift it. You're not doing anything wrong. You're being you. Like I've been in this business for over 20 years, the entertainment business. Wow. And I don't know what the fuck anybody does or who they are. I just know that's Jeff and I like going to his house to watch football games. Like now I know, okay, he's the CEO, I think of stars or like, I'm so bad. My assistants had to tell me who people were all the time. Like, who is that? I might be interviewing them because they're coming down the red carpet. I'm like, who is that? Oh yeah. Okay, cool. No clue. I will go to parties. I just want to have a real conversation with people. Yeah. I don't care about all the other stuff. I've never been like a big networker. Me neither. Um, I think like maybe in the beginning when I first made it in the business, when I was first starting, I, I needed to know people. And so I met people, whatever, but I never cared about that. I always just cared about the person 
And I think that's part of why, I mean, I remember even leaving college and I remember Kevin was with me at the time and everybody was making their reels and they were like, I know this person at E and I know my, my friend's father works at E and my, this, I'm like, Kevin, did I screw up my whole college like life? I didn't do any of this. Oh my God. I don't even have a reel. I don't have anything. He's like, you're fine. You're fine. You're fine. I'm the one who succeeded. Yeah. Girl. None of those people that said they had all these and had it all to get, none of them did because I think when you are also willing and pushing and fighting and climbing, there's an energy that comes with that, that people are repelled by. Yes. Oh my gosh. I love you. I'm coming to LA so we can like (laughs) hang out. Oh my gosh. So at Redefining Wealth, we talk about the people pillar. That's the second pillar. And it's about creating relationships that matter. Right. And one of the things that I talk about is that so often we feel that our success or that next step that we need to get to wealth or whatever is going to come from forcing ourselves to be in certain circles or to like find the people who we think are the the ones that can help us and all those things. And we often overlook just the natural energy of what it means to connect and respect the relationships we already have, right? And the people that are already around us. And one of the things I truly believe is that in our lives every day, there's always someone watching us who has the power to bless us. Mm, yes. But who are they watching us be? Oh my God. <laughs> I love it. Are they watching us be? The reason that I have had such great success in my career has not come from pitching and forcing and trying to manipulate my way into the presence of anyone. I am so blown how often people will be like, can I give you my cell phone number? I'm like, uh, sure. Again, billionaires. Can I give you my cell phone number? I'm like, sure. Okay. I mean, sure. I, when do you, yeah. do I need to text you? What am I supposed to do with that? Right? Like, I'm not, I'm not even trying. I'm not forcing. I'm not trying to push myself into those places or in those circles. I'm actually very much a homebody. Um, and so I know a lot of people, right? But I'm very much to myself anyway. Um, and I see people coming up with me. I've been in this more like 10 years, right? But that are like, hey, uh, can you give me Steve Harvey's number? I'm like, in what world would I just be passing out Steve Harvey's cell phone number? Like, yeah. why do you even think this makes sense? Now, you could have been, built a genuine connection with me. And you could have, like, I'm a connector, and I will forget that I even introduce people, right? Oh, me too. People have these phenomenal yep. connections and they'll be doing stuff. And I'm like, I'm so proud of you. And they're like, remember, you told me about such and such. I have no idea because I have no expectation. And also we do it so often that you can't keep up. Cannot keep up. No. I have no idea. Yep. I'm like, oh, I'm so glad you two collaborated. They're like, you introduced us. Remember? I'm like, oh, well, wonderful. Like, that's <laughs> great, Right. But my career has been built on so many natural connections and introductions. And I believe it's more important to live a life that makes people talk about you in rooms when you're not even there in a positive way. Mm -hmm. Like the way people have told me that someone else spoke of me, like that's the thing that makes me so happy on the inside that they thought so highly of me Mm -hmm. to recommend me for things that people have been. I I mean, I've been on stages that people were 
applying to speak on for years or begging to get on. And someone was like, hey, you know, Patrice, right? You need to have her. And they're like, okay, what's your rate? What's your fee? We want you because so-and-so said, my career has been paved with those types of introductions, not because I'm trying to force anything, but because I'm being myself, Mm -hmm. right? And when I show up, I just spoke in Detroit this weekend. I spoke to every person I could. I Like every person who came up to me after I spoke and wanted to share the aha moments and what they're taking away and what spoke to them and all of those things, I, I genuinely care. Audience of one, 400 people in that room at this event. Um, but I was, and I'm like, if one person is blessed, cool. But the fact that 60 people waited to tell me something, I want to hear every story. And I want to know what you're going to do different about your life. I want to know what's going to transform for you after this point. I've been like that this entire career. And I have continued to say, no matter what happens, I pray that I maintain that type of level head, right? That I never walk in a space and think, oh, I'm so high and mighty and I'm so great. Because it wasn't that long ago that I was on that bathroom floor. Mm. And I remember what I told God in that moment. If you restore me and not when, because I didn't have enough faith in that moment. I said, if you restore me, I'll go everywhere I can and share this with people. And now that I have an opportunity to do that on so many amazing platforms, where would I get off? Being stank. I call it being stank. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Where would I get off having that type of attitude? Like I've just been here and I deserve it. And I like I am I am a Belizean American girl from South Central Los Angeles. I grew up in Lamert Park around drive-bys, gang violence, drugs being sold, drugs being used in the alley behind the storefront that I grew up above. Like my grandmother was illiterate. My grandmother was illiterate. I've written five books, you know, like I think about the the the, the experiences that I've had mm. and how far I've come and the audacity to to try to treat people as if I'm so great. And like, I just can't even imagine. I just can't imagine. Yeah. I'm just too grateful to be here, Maria. I feel it. You're making me cry. Um, I I think that um, it's something that people don't know is possible. And so I hope, Heal Squad, you guys are hearing two successful women that have led with heart and not with, you know, Rolodex and, and, and intent and, and all of that stuff. It's funny because... Kevin, every time I you would talk about being on stage, somehow I would be the one asked to do these things that just made no freaking sense. Like, <laughs> like, oh, Maria, you're going to be up with Steven Spielberg and George Lucas and like at the AFI. Wait, what? Me? Who? Why me? In the most random things, in the most random situations, and I and he would say, "You did something in another life. You did something in yeah. another life." It's, it always is like, it always happens to you. But, um, but I do think that it's a, it's a different kind of way. You don't see it often. And I've often thought that I was doing it the wrong way, even though I was getting results Yeah. along the way. I'm like, wait, should I be doing some of that? Should I be more? And then I look back at my history, like as history continues to accrue and I'm like, well, okay. I thought I was screwing up in college, 
by not networking and, you know, becoming friends with the girl whose dad works at E and all this stuff. Guess who ended up on E? Me. Not the one Mm -hmm. that kept saying that she was going to. And I'm not being competitive with her in any way. It's just shocking to me. It's just shocking to me because this person had it so together and I so didn't. And so... Um, and then as I see kind of in, in my career, I always, I, I always just said, God, just take me where I'm supposed to go. I'll be a good person. I'll work really, really hard. And, and I just went for the ride and I just went wherever I was mm. sent and I made so many friends along the way. And I'll tell you, I kind of had my funeral already. So when I had brain surgery, um, I was keeping it hush hush for a long time. And then at some point my um, therapist was like, you need to tell a few people. You got to go in with some love and support. And so I started telling people and they started spilling to me what they thought of me and what they, how, what I meant to them, but also like who I was in general. And I was like, mm-hmm. going from a place where you don't think anybody thinks anything of you, because I never did. I never thought, I barely thought anything of myself, right? I didn't have time to think about any of that. I was hustling. <laughs> but to hear what people think of you, you're like, oh okay, then maybe I was doing something right all along and, and just being me and, and living, you know, in that space where I don't have some ulterior motive with people. It really is just to give or just to have an, a, a deep, genuine connection. Yeah. Um, and that's why I think I have those moments too, where I'm like, Kevin, why did these people want to be friends with me? <laughs> And he's like, story of my life. Yeah. But he's like, cause you have, you're pure. He's like, you have a good heart and you don't want to hurt anybody. And I'm like, oh, okay. But I'm always blown away and I'm always shocked and surprised, but I still, still all the time, literally all the time. And my husband used to say like, you're still shocked by that. I'm like, (laughs) she told, she said, can I have your number? Like me, like I would never even ask, right. Someone of the stature and they're like, yeah, put my number in your phone. Do you want to give me your number? And I'm like, really? Okay. (laughs) And then I'm like blown away. Right. But you said something else again. Oh my God. I just love you right now. Okay. Back to the childhood experiences. I have to tell you. So probably about third or fourth grade. I don't know what was happening in 88, but your girl was getting her life together, like 88, 89, like profound things were happening. And do you remember when funeral processionals would go by, right? And it would be long and they'd have the motorcycle cops come Mm -hmm. and, you know, where I'm from in LA, I remember my mom, whenever we see the motorcycle cops coming and we knew it was a funeral, she just turned the car off. Like, okay, we're going to be here for a while type of thing. And I was conditioned for that. When you see it, you just know, turn the car off because it's going to take 10 minutes or whatever. And my mom was trying to save her gas, I suppose. And a funeral procession was going by one Saturday. We were going to the mall and my mom turned the car off. And so, you know, we're chatting and it was maybe like a minute or two long. It was the shortest I had ever seen or experienced. And she's like, oh, that was fast. So she turned the car back on and we go on about our day. I was so disturbed by that. It annoyed the mess out of me. We were in JCPenney girl back in the day. (laughs) We're in JCPenney and I'm still like, why was the funeral so short? And my mom is like, what? Like, what are you? I'm looking at vacuums. What are you talking about? And I'm like, why? Why was the line so short? It wasn't a lot of cars. And she's like, I don't know. Maybe they didn't know a lot of people. I'm like, okay. Hours go by. 
my mom used to go from JCPenney to May Company to like all the department stores to, to there's no Google, there's no verifying prices. So we used to mm-hmm. go from place to place, right? Only to go buy it from the first place. But <laughs> throughout the day, I just kept bringing it up. And by the time we go back home, we're driving home. I said, I got to do something so that more people care when I die. Like I have to do something so that more people care when I die. Like I want people to have to turn their cars off and wait 20 minutes because I want at least that many people to care when I die. Mm. And I think coupled with what Miss Boynton, my first grade teacher told me, I've, I've, I've always lived with this idea of I got to impact people because I, like I want someone to care when I die. Mm-hmm. I want them to be like, you know what? Because of that girl, when I was just in real estate, it was because of that girl, I never thought I could own a home and now I do. Because of that girl, I never thought I could have good credit. Now I do. Because of that girl, my kids get to go to college and I didn't think I would be able to send them. Like I literally wanted that and that also was just has been a part of it. How do I live my life in a way that allows other people to feel seen and loved and respected and cherished so much that they believe they can do things for themselves, right? And many people will never remember my name and that's okay, but I want to create, I want to lead with that type of intention that what I do matters in the world. And when I die, at least put up a Facebook post. At least, <laughs> <laughs> at least let my family know that all the time I spent in my home office was worth it. Mm-hmm. That all the time I spent on the road, that it was worth it. And I love even now that my daughter has social media now. And she's like, mom, your clients really love you. And that that does make me feel good. Mm-hmm. That she knows that as much as I was called to be her mother, I also was called to have great impact in the world at large. And I can do both. As women, we can do both. And it's okay. And... Again, I didn't want to be a person who could create that type of impact publicly. And then my daughter be like, oh, she sucked when she was here. You know, I didn't really like her. Like, so just that that feel that when my daughter is at my funeral, she is overwhelmed with love and support and knowing that my mom's life made a difference, not just for me. But look at these all these people like that has also been very much a part of my intention yeah. on a daily basis for why I do what I do. Oh, wow. Well, let's hope. I, the only funerals I know that are generally that short are elderly people who have lived a very long life and everyone else has passed around them. Mm-hmm. So then there was no one left to go. We've been in one of those Someone funerals. should have told me that, Maria. That's yeah. such a great point. At the time, though, I, girl, I was distraught. I was like, where yeah. are the people? I know, but there was a reason why you had to think that and feel that so that you could go off and make your impact. Um, this is, I think, officially the longest interview I've ever done. Um, and it's definitely not going to be our last interview. And you better text me when you're in L.A. Um, you're probably going to be here before I get to Atlanta, but we have to get together. And um, Patrice, you're just unbelievable. And what you're doing and sharing with everybody is unbelievable. So not unbelievable. It is believable. It's amazing. So thank thank you you for your time today. Thank you for all the aha moments. I've written down 50 different time codes here. (laughs) Um, What a great conversation and just, yeah, you're a blessing. This is amazing. 
Same to you. Thank you for having me. I can't believe we hadn't met sooner. Me too. Um, and I'm sure we know a lot of the same people, but I think God's timing is so divine. Mm-hmm. And just grateful for you and the work that you're doing too. I just feel so aligned right now. So thank you for allowing me on your beautiful platform. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Kelsey? I know. No, no, no. She, she doesn't understand. She, I'm going to stalk her until she's my new best friend well, officially. It was, it was funny. Cause it was like, I, I found her on social. Um, we had the woman who helped me get Anthony trucks page who I love was like, I think you would really love her. And then I went and stalked her on social. I was like, Maria's going to be obsessed with her. She's amazing. So amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Oh my God. I love and her. And she has so much more. Like, like you said, it's like that's the first of many. She has a lot yeah. to <laughs> Pages offer. of things to talk. But yeah. it's almost like sometimes when you're meeting someone new, it's like, let's lay some groundwork down because I could yeah. just tell she's going to be like a heel squatter or like regular. Like, I want to do like a monthly thing with her. I think it'd be so. And especially uh-huh. for women, like uh-huh. the money thing. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah, love Yeah. Her. Yeah. Yeah. Great. I love find. that you guys are new besties. Great, great find. All right, everybody. Um, I hope you enjoyed that conversation. More to come. Love you. Heel Squad. Be nice people. Make good choices and be present. Hey, Heel Squad. We have been on quite the journey together and we're hearing from so many of you just how much this show is helping you heal and get better. And it makes us feel so good. We love, love, love it. And we just ask that you don't keep it to yourself. Spread the message and share the show or your favorite episode with your friends. And if you want to help us even more, you can leave us a five-star rating and a comment on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and follow us on Instagram at Heel Squad. You can also DM us anytime because we love connecting with you. And finally, you can also join us on Patreon for our monthly live heel events with world-class healers and ad-free episodes exclusive only to Patreon and our Super Heel Squad for as little as $10 a month. So go to patreon.com backslash heel squad to join. Getting better isn't easy, friends, but as I say all the time, it's a whole lot easier if we can do it together. We love you all so much, and we love doing this thing called life with you.